Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 895 with Roger Bodwin. You know, if you've survived this, if you've been through all the craziness of the pandemic and the labor shortage, you're still going through it and you've been beaten up really bad. I know hundreds, over 100,000 restaurants have failed, but if you're still standing, one, kudos to you. Two, it's a testament to who you are as a person, but it's really the time to just keep going, dig deep and rediscover the passion and the fire of why you started that restaurant in the first place or why you're in the business of hospitality. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a restaurant management software that uses POS integration and invoice data to show you your food cost in real time. Margin Edge gives you your prime cost daily, so there's no surprises at the end of the month. By totally digitizing your back office, your team saves hours on paperwork and gets instant insights to manage food costs, labor, and budgets in the moment, not weeks after the period ends with supply chain disruption and labor shortages, making real-time data-driven decisions is more important than ever. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, Margin Edge is going to cover your onboarding costs. That means you get 60 days free to get started and up and running before you make your first payment. To learn more, head to me.marginedge.com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. Today's episode is brought to you by DiagioBarAcademy.com, and I cannot be more excited to be partnering with Diageo because we have such similar missions. We want to share knowledge and transform the industry. Diageo Bar Academy equips bartenders, servers, managers, and hospitality professionals with the insights, stories, and tools to be better They are consistently raising the bar on industry standards, and no matter what your skill level is or knowledge or availability, there's something for you at DiagioBarAcademy.com. They have master classes and live events, and if you can't make those master classes or live events, there's recordings, so you can watch it on demand at your convenience at www.DiagioBarAcademy.com. That is D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com get over there now i know you know about plate iq but do you know about plate iq's new spend management feature okay let me tell you about it plate iq now offers a new spend management feature which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with plate iq card with plate iq card there's no credit check no minimum bank balance and no personal guarantee required This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and host of Restaurant Rockstars, Roger Bodwin. My man, Roger, are you feeling unstoppable today? 
Every day, Eric. Every day. Dude, I am psyched to have you here. You're probably one of the, I don't know, we've been collaborating now for how long? God, it's got to be six, seven years, I would guess. I know, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's amazing to see where you are today. Uh, I think you were, yeah, you started what, 2015, 14 with your podcast? Uh, Rockstar started in 2012. Okay. Um, you and I, I think, met in 2015, if memory serves, or yeah. about that time. I think we so. started around the same time. I think we've, you've been on the show now two or three times at least. Uh, every time you come on the show, you deliver. I know you have a lot of exciting things going on right now. As you march into the future, you're scaling. You have some fun projects we're going to let the listeners know about. But before we dive into today's subject, which is hospitality uh, and superior service and profitability um and i know this is where you shine you've had you have your restaurant rock stars sales or is this sales pro what sales stars still stars thank you very much um and this, this is what you do this is really where you shine so i know there's gonna be value in today's conversation but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us well i've always believed that success is a journey not a destination and to get there um, you should enjoy everything that happens along the way. One of the passions and real pride in running restaurants comes from building what I call the dream team staff. You know, that was what it was all about for me. And by putting systems in place in my restaurants over the years, my staff had my back and my destination was literally an exit strategy, you know, and I ran my first set of restaurants for about 20 plus years, ended up selling them. But exit strategies are different for everyone. Um, you know, maybe you just want to spend more time with family and friends. Maybe you want to start another business. Maybe you want to franchise your restaurant, whatever that means to you. You can't do it without systems. And that is part of the journey, obviously working on your business versus working in it so that you decide in the future if you work there at all, or if you're just a customer in your restaurants, you know, watching your staff shine and your customers smile like I did. So yeah. that's what it's I mean, that idea of, you know, success is, in a, is, is a, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. It's something that kind of resonates with me right now, because I think that you, you ask yourself, like, when is it going to get easier? When is it going to get easier? And it does yeah. get easier, but at the same time, I feel like it never ends, you know, and I think it, it comes, you have to embrace the work. You have to embrace the hurt sometimes because that's just life. And I think that sometimes we think we're going to hit this point where it, like it, it just gets better. And I think there's some truth to that, but at the same time, I think that only comes when you embrace the idea that every day is going to be a challenge. And it's about embracing that challenge and like living with it and not trying to get rid of it. I can speak to those pain points, Eric, because I, I did mention a second ago that I ran my restaurants for 20 years before selling them. And that was my exit strategy. But, you know, I had the brilliant idea of buying another restaurant just before the pandemic hit. And then what turned out originally to be an investment turned into challenge and yeah. pain and, and a turnaround situation where systems needed to be put in place, a lot of deferred maintenance, a lot of things needed to be fixed and improved. And then, you know, the pandemic hits, everything goes sideways. And we were forced to pull all the seats out of that restaurant. We could no longer serve in-house dining, had to quickly go to, you know, online delivery and ordering and that sort of thing and turning the restaurant into more of a market concept. And that was pivot number one, probably had five pivots for two and a half years and just sold that property a few months back. So yeah, real hands-on stuff to put those systems in place and then sold again. But you know, I can walk the walk and talk the talk because I'm go I've gone through everything that, you know, your listeners and restaurant owners and operators are still going through today with labor crisis and with rising costs and shrinking margins and all those things. And I have a lot of solutions for those things that I successfully implemented, but I still felt the pain and I can I can relate. 
Yeah, and Roger has been a guest on the show, like I said, at least two or three times already to this point. I'll be sure to uh, link to those earlier interviews where we hear Roger's entire story uh, on how he got to where he is today. It's a really great episode. But today we're here to talk about hospitality, superior service, and profitability. So let me ask you this, Roger. What is hospitality? What does hospitality mean to you? Well, you know, I didn't invent this definition, but a long time ago, I learned that hospitality is absent when something happens to a guest and hospitality is present when something happens for the guest. And those are two completely up. Op- it's a paradigm shift, right? But I mean, that's the basics. And we trained our staff every single day in what hospitality meant. And they approached every table with that feeling of hospitality. But that's just a starting point, a foundation. You really need to look for the right people, the people that really care about, you know, serving the public, having a true desire to meet new people, make friends with your with your guests. I hate the word customer. I always use the word guest, you know, and then developing those people to become management talent. And I had a lot of success in doing that. And really that sales star staff training that you talked about earlier was instrumental in, in helping me do that. And what's really unique about the way I ran my restaurants, I believe, is, you know, the average restaurant today is very delineated job positions. Like every full service restaurant has hosts that greet the customers, answer the phone, seat people at tables, that sort of thing. And obviously bus staff wait, you know, they clear tables off and they reset tables and that sort of thing and communicate with the hosts on when new tables are ready. And we know what servers and bartenders do. In my restaurants, everything was choreographed and everyone was cross-trained to be able to assimilate other jobs within a restaurant. So I had bussers that would be able to host if a host got sick. And I had hosts that could literally be servers if there was a server out. And obviously I had servers that could become bartenders. And some people would say, wow, you know, that must have cost you a lot of money in training. And I never considered it to be a cost. I considered it to be an investment and that paid huge dividends over time. And literally that up-leveled my entire organization because a lot of those people moved into higher positions in the restaurant. A lot of those people turned into bar managers, dining room managers, team leaders, general managers, all that kind of stuff over the course. And I also believe that that led to longevity in my restaurants. You know, this is a high turnover business, especially now. And, you know, back then I had a 98% retention rate in my restaurants, even though I had several seasonal operations that were not open year round and my people had to go get other jobs when those restaurants closed for the season. So, you know, that's just a testament to that approach. And, you know, I'm not saying I recommend it for everyone because it takes time, but it is a system and it can pay huge dividends if you implement that system. You're reminding me of a restaurant. The only restaurant I know of that does this to the degree of this restaurant, the Oak House in uh, Newmarket, New Hampshire. Um, The past guest, I think the it has been a while. Jack is the owner and he. I've never seen a restaurant where everybody in that restaurant literally is trained to work every position. I'm not just That's saying awesome. like front of house works all front of house positions. Yeah. The front of house rotates out with the back of house. And it, it, it's one of the solutions, I think, to this wage disparity from the front of house to back of house right. where you just mm-hmm. do rotations, where you literally have your servers can hop on the line. But what happens to that when, when that happens, like you are so deep, like you're not dependent on one person. You can plug anybody into any role. So when something happens, when somebody calls out or if somebody gets hurt, you can literally call an audible in the spot. And again, I think it's that a solution to bounce out the, the front of house, the back of house wage disparities, but it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to get your entire team trained up on all aspects of your business. But I mean, 
I guess what I'm curious about, you mentioned something, hospitality isn't working, um, or I think you said, I made the notes here, it's it's a difference between doing something to somebody or for somebody. How do you get your team to shift that mindset from working to or on somebody to, to for somebody? What's the secret to shifting that culture? We talked about it all the time, and I think the key is having a daily pre-shift with the entire team. Before you open your doors for business for every shift, there should be a pre-shift meeting. And most pre-shift meetings in restaurants that I've been in, you know, it's all about, okay, this is the chef special tonight, and, you know, we're going to be closing early tonight and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that some of that's important, but we really you know, spent five to 10 minutes talking about strategy and how you approach a table and how you make friends with guests and what's important to them and recognizing special events that they might be having. But most importantly, it's about anticipating needs because guests come in. Well, let me back up a second. I believe that guests may come into a restaurant thinking that it's dinner time or I didn't feel like cooking or whatever. And they're just coming in for the food, right? That's what most people think. But I always train my staff to make memorable events out of any dining experience. You know, people may think they're coming in for food and drink, and it's up to all of us to educate, inform, and entertain our guests. Because I always believe that the restaurant business with show business, it's all about entertainment. And, you know, there's a reason why Los Angeles restaurants have some of the best service in the world, because half the staff are actors and actresses, wannabes that are, you know, trying to make it in Hollywood. And it's all about a theatrical performance. It's all about taking people through what's so unique and special and different and unique about your restaurant that sets it apart. It's about creating loyal repeat guests, not just one-time visitors. Even if that guest is a first-time visitor, it's up to everyone that interacts with them in the front of the house to turn them into regulars and treat them as if they're an old friend, not someone we don't recognize, you know, and that takes that conversation at the table. It, it, it takes introducing yourself by name and, and breaking the ice and creating a rapport with your table and really giving them what I call the magical journey experience on everything this restaurant is about and asking questions, you know, saying, is this your first time here? Oh, if, oh you're in for a treat because let me tell you about everything we're about, you know, and it's about personality too. All yeah. those things were super important in building the dream team, I love but this. it really starts with that foundation of what hospitality really is. And you want to make sure that guests know that you care, that you're attentive, that you're on top of their needs. And that if there's a problem, you solve it immediately. And, you know, we never, we empowered our people on the floor. It didn't matter what position you had. You were empowered to fix a guest problem, no matter what it was. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, let me go call a manager. Let me go, you know, and keep the guests waiting. And they have to explain the problem first to you. And then they've got to explain it all over again to a manager. I never believed in that. Yeah. I mean, really what I'm hearing is that you're existing to be of service to people. And Absolutely. and it all, like we learned, we learned this a lot on the show. It, it trickles down from the management. We have to be of service to our teams or our team can be of service to the guests. So so what does that look like? Um, what's the best way that we can teach our inner guests to serve our outer guests? Our, like, I call it's that that inner guest is from Steve uh, DeFilippo, I believe that he, in his book, um, it's all about the guests. He, he likes to talk about your inner guests and your outer guests. So how do we serve our inner guests so they can serve our outer guests? Well, you know, that really speaks to why I created the Sales Star Staff Training System, because if you were to go back in time, 
you know, my podcast audience has heard this story before. Maybe yours has not. But, you know, 27 years ago, I started my first restaurant and I had no restaurant experience. And I, my first concept was a wood-fired pizzeria. And I love telling this story because it still speaks to hospitality today or lack thereof. So I'm starting this wood-fired pizzeria. I'm like three weeks out from opening the doors, my grand opening, right? And I still needed to buy a dough mixer because we were going to make all of our dough fresh from scratch, our own sauces. You know, it was going to be really special that way. And I was in your state, actually, it was the state of New Hampshire, no slam against New Hampshire, but I'm driving and I forget what town it was, but there's a sign. It was just before lunchtime or whatever. And there's a sign at the end of this driveway and it says wood fired brick oven pizza now serving. I'm like, terrific. It's lunchtime. That's that's the kind of restaurant I'm starting. I'm going to go check it out. I'm probably going to learn something. Right. I drive in. I park the car. I walk in and my very first impression is I don't know, a teenage host, right? Maybe 17, 18 years old. And, you know, a lot of restaurants have those podiums, you know, where they keep the sort of reservation book and all that kind of stuff. And I walk in the door and this guy's like leaning on the podium and he's like hunched over and he's blowing bubble gum. And literally I'm walking towards him and like, you know, he's blowing bubbles and he's like leaning. I'm like, whoa, what a terrible impression that is. He doesn't snap to attention. He's not ready to greet guests, that sort of thing. Just as I get closer to him, he looks at me and he's like, are you here for lunch? I knew it was just before 12. I'm like, yes, I'm here for lunch. Next thing I know, he takes a menu out of the menu holder on the side of the podium and he literally sticks it in my hand. And then next thing I know, he points across the room. He's like, see that table over there? It's yours. Like he didn't have the courtesy to greet me properly, be professional, walk me to the table, make sure I was comfortable, introduce me to his restaurant. And as soon as he gives me the menu and he points, I'm like, whatever. I walk away. I look back. He goes back to leaning on the podium again. I'm like, whoa, what's wrong with this picture? So that strike one, right? So now I'm sitting at my table and service front of house people are passing me by on the left and on the right. No one is making eye contact. No one is saying hello or greeting me. And I'm sitting there feeling really stupid. I've got the menu in front of me. And I had plenty of time to check out the pizzas. There's like eight or 10 specialty pizzas on the menu. And I literally timed it on my watch. And I remember to this day, it was between eight and 10 minutes before anyone stopped at my table. And I'm just sitting there. Well, all the pizzas had funky names and stuff, and they all sounded pretty good. So when the server finally approached my table, I asked her, I'm like, what, you know, can you, what, what pizza do you recommend? They all sound pretty good to me. You know what she said in all honesty, and this, this knocked my socks off. She looked me in the eye and she says, I can't recommend the pizza. She's like, I don't eat them. They're too expensive. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. So I just about fell off my chair and it scared me to death because here I am three weeks out from opening my restaurant. I had just hired a brand new team. We hadn't worked together yet. And I'm like, I suddenly realized it's like what your staff say and do when you don't hear what they say or do, or if they're not trained to serve and sell, they can absolutely sabotage the guest's experience. And not only that, sabotage from those people from ever coming back. And now there was no social media back then. So it was word of mouth, right? So I've told this story hundreds of times, and I'm not in the habit of naming names of restaurants, but people today will slam you for the slightest infraction. And now with Yelp and TripAdvisor and online reviews, it's even more dangerous than ever. But think about think about how much lost business that equates to. That one person yeah. will never come back again. They'll probably tell 100 people and then thousands of people potentially could see that review on, you know, on online reviews. So it's like, so yikes. How do we go from that paint, that picture you just beautifully painted for us? How do we go yep. from that to sales stars, to people serving guests, being there for the guests and really focus on creating great experiences? 
Well, it began with hospitality. So Sales Stars back then was something I instantly created. And I just went on my computer and I started typing up all these, um, I wouldn't call them lessons, but key learnings, Standards. you know. Yeah, I guess so. And, and it was all about, okay, I suddenly realized that a guest expects certain things. They have certain expectations when they walk in the door. They want to be recognized, they want to be acknowledged, and they want to be served, right? That was the simple hospitality foundation right there. And then it was all about your personality. So then I kind of reached into my bag of tricks and figured, okay, how do we keep the kids entertained? Because kids often determine where the family goes out to eat. And if kids think your place is the fun place, and if you treat the kids like VIP, IPs, they're going to want to come back again. So then that became a part of Sales Stars. And then it was about the pre-shifts. And I, I developed this whole series of exercises we called pre-shifts to profits, you know, and that came later. But first, the foundational element was, okay, hospitality. How do we serve the guests? And it wasn't about which fork to use with the entree or the salad or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I mean, we did that on the side, but that wasn't what Sales Stars was about. It was about caring. It was about attentiveness. It was about how to stay out of the weeds, we call it. Everyone's heard that term, right? It's Saturday night at 730 and people are just like running around like, and it looks like just chaos in a restaurant. Well, not if you use your team and not if you obviously anticipate needs. Think about how many extra steps service personnel take if they're not recognizing that that table, the lady's glass of wine is empty or, you know, a fork just fell to the floor or they need a new basket of bread or their water glasses are empty or, you know, they're through with their entrees and all the plates are sitting there. And it's like, no, it's like when you're in your section, you need to scan all the tables and see what people are going to need next before you just take another trip to the kitchen. And then someone slows you down when you don't have time for them to slow you down by, hey, you know, Sally, John, uh, come here, please. I'll get, you know, if you can anticipate and multitask and use that choreographed team I talked about, the hosts and the bussers and the servers all working as a choreographed team, then communication leads to teamwork, leads to a better guest experience. So that was sort of foundational. And then the second module of Sales Stars was really all about how to recognize opportunity, you know, and how to make suggestions we know the guests will enjoy and appreciate. And that's where the salesmanship comes in. And it's really a soft sell approach because we believe, we always have believed that superior service really comes from taking people on that magical journey and telling them about things that they may not be aware of, especially if they're a first time visitor and making you know, recommendations, giving choices, giving benefits, bringing those things to life in a theatrical way that plants a seed in the guest's mind where suddenly say, wow, that sounds great. Bring me that versus the order taker with a pad and pen that lets the chips fall where they may, you know, and I love to use this iceberg analogy because um, it's, it's, it's a key part of sales stars. Very few people realize that the largest mass of an iceberg is actually hidden and unseen beneath the surface, right, of the water. And most people think this iceberg is this giant thing on the surface. Well, it may be big, but it's a fraction of what's below the water. So that's a perfect restaurant analogy in sales that happen every day just because. And order takers are that ice on top of the water. But sales stars recognize all the hidden opportunities below the surface, the recommendations they can make that translate into a better guest experience and double check averages. You know, upsells, add-ons, bottles of wine, coffee drinks with liquor in them, live music and events, retail merchandise, all these things, if you don't suggest them, perhaps get left. And I've always believed that opportunity is really fickle and really fleeting. And you got this moment of truth, this precise second where you either plant the seed and make a sale or it's gone forever. 
And we train the entire team to do that. So how do you go from this this place? Again, you painted that picture of the the restaurant that just doesn't really care. And then you started painting the picture of what it looks like when they do care. But what things happen every day to get from that original point to the point that you're now describing? What? How do we get there? What things do we have to start doing? It's several things. So first of all, I was always an open door kind of guy. You know, I was the owner. I wasn't a figurehead. I was led by example. I was never too important to pick up trash in the parking lot or clean a window or change a burned out light bulb. But I trained my team. My largest restaurant had 55 employees. Obviously, they weren't all on the schedule every single day. But, you know, the people that were on the schedule every day, it's like a lot of restaurants have people come through the back door. And I'm like, well, that's kind of, I never believed in that. I always thought, okay, I've got 55 employees. They're all going to walk through the front door and I'm going to train them all to notice things, to recognize and see what the guest sees before they see it and fix what they can that's broken so that the guest never sees anything amiss, you know, and anything they can't fix Then they bring to my attention and then we get it fixed. But all the small things, you know, the smudgy windows and the trash in the parking lot and the burned out light bulbs and the event posters that were from last week, that never happened. I've always believed this was the business of a thousand details. And even if you get the 990 details right, it's the 10 you miss that the guest always sees. And I trained my staff. And then we had battle stations inside the restaurant, you know. I had this mantra, every table is your table. So if you're a front of house person, we don't have sections. Granted, you might be serving a certain certain number of tables, but it's like everybody had their eyes open all the time. We had duty rosters. Every 15 minutes, the ba- someone would go into the bathroom and make sure that the counters weren't wet so that the lady didn't lean up again, you know, the counter to put make lipstick on or something. And now her skirt or her pants are like soaking wet. You know, the, the paper towels weren't overflowing. You know, all those details that are so critically important. So, yes, we had battle stations and then we had overlap where everyone noticed everything and we fixed things on the fly. And then what drove it all home? The rubber that met the road was recognition and rewards. Every week we had recognition and rewards programs that recognized people for going above and beyond, whether they solved the guest problem, whether they helped a teammate with something that happened unexpected, just what did they do that went above and beyond the normal scope of their job? And then we had this program called Difference Dollars, which really was incredible. Awesome. I'm going to pull back some layers on this now. One thing you notice, I love this idea of making your your employees walk through the front door and seeing the restaurant from the guest experience. And uh, another thing that you kind of bringing up is creating these flows where you, when you come in or you go from whenever you enter the, the dining room, your eyes go to a certain point and then you, you there's like a, a series of events that you, you train your staff and you point out what, like here are all the little details. You can't just expect your guests to know or sorry, your, your employees to know what your standards are. It sounds like from what you're saying is that you, you really go through and you tell your, your team what the expectations are and the little details that you're looking for. And then every day as they're going through the motions, their, their eyes are going to these places like little, like, like a flow. I'm, I'm kind of reminded of when I was a commercial pilot, you have your checklist, but yeah. on top of that, you have your flow where you go through like a circle, right? And like you just you do the flow, you make sure everything's in place and you back it up with the checklist. But I'm kind of hearing that's coming out that you teach your staff to have flow. So what does that like what does that look like creating these flows and communicating the standards? How do you do that? 
Well, it, it really begin before you even have a flow, it really begins with product and restaurant knowledge. It's like every person that interacts with a guest has to have, a, you know, a real serious understanding of the menu and the nuances, of the food. And that's the menu piece. Okay. You got to know the food, the drinks, what's special about the restaurant's menus, but then you also have to have product. Um, then that's the product knowledge. You also have to have restaurant knowledge where I'm a huge believer in marketing and setting a restaurant apart is about a paradigm shift because a lot of a lot of owners and managers run restaurants, but they don't necessarily build brands. I'm a brand builder. I believe in creating an aura around what we're doing so that it's this huge buzz, whether that's viral online or whether that's word of mouth or people, you're giving them an entertaining experience but your staff are the foundation of that. And if they don't know the ins and outs of that restaurant and everything that makes it special, like I said earlier, then they're letting their guests down. So when I talk about marketing internally, it's like so many restaurants spend thousands of dollars a year on, on you know, restaurant marketing that is not trackable. You might spend, you know, $1,000 on this or 10000 on a radio campaign or whatever it is. But unless everybody that walks through the door says, hey, Joe, I came in today because I heard you on the radio or I saw that ad or this, whatever, you'll never know if what you're spending is actually working. So every piece of marketing needs to be trackable. But forget all that for now. I was really successful not spending any money on marketing. I spent it on internal marketing, training my staff so well that they were so well-versed in making friends. And then we talked about hooks. Building a brand is about setting your restaurant apart. And I believe every restaurant has unique hooks that set them apart, whether that's a special way of preparing, you know, grandma's chicken Parmesan, or whether that's something really unique about a way you do something or the things that you do that catch the guests' attention and really captivate them and the, the, the phones come out, you know, and they've got to take pictures and post it to social media. You know, we had all kinds of things like that. My number one first hook was the wood-fired brick oven. Now, when I went to that first place 27 years ago with the guy leaning on, you know, it said wood-fired brick oven now serving, I'm looking for the oven and it's in the back kitchen somewhere. I'm like, why bother having a wood-fired brick oven? Because that's part of the show. That's the entertainment. If the guests can't see it, what good is it, right? So it's like, first and foremost, I, I had already planned my restaurant, but it was just like in Italy. You know, if you were to go to Italy, that's where pizza was invented, of course, so long ago. But every single pizza restaurant in Italy has that oven. It's a showpiece. It's a piece of art. It's got beautiful mosaic tile all over it. And, 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 and it's revered, you know, and it's right in the middle of the room. And so I'm like, I'm doing that, right? So we built this huge brick oven and it was a showpiece. And the pizza makers were throwing the doughs in the air and they're firing the pizzas in this 900 degree oven and the fire's blazing back there. You could see it from every seat. That to me is a hook. And then we added live entertainment, you know, and we were at a ski resort. So we actually had this machine that would make snow on the dance floor as people were dancing. That was a hook. We did really wacky, unique things all the time. And every single year we'd come up with new hooks because, you know, I used to call it the amusement park theory. It's like every year you need a new ride to keep people coming back for more. So it's like, you can't sit back and you got to stay relevant. So we are constantly reinventing ourselves. We never fixed what wasn't broken, but we always came up with new hooks. So I, I hugely recommend that to any restaurant and that's part of building a brand. And then once you build a brand, then you can make a fortune selling retail merchandise, anything with your logo on it. 
and people impulsively buy that stuff. And there's another profit center. I've always been a huge believer in you can't have too many profit centers in your restaurant. But before you can do that, you have to build a brand and don't run a restaurant run a business those are two different things you got to run a business you have to be business minded yeah man, your- i'm loving the stuff you're dropping on us right now and really uh to dive deeper into hooks and why staying fresh every year and i love that you do that every year uh, i'd really recommend the book restaurant strong peter lazar goes into that really well the idea of juxtaposition and mm-hmm. like that's what a hook is it's juxtaposition it's something that yeah. you do that nobody else does so Correct. you stand out and it, it's different um so thank you for getting to the te- into the details of that we got to take a break to thank our sponsors when we come back i wanted to unpackage a little bit deeper you mentioned the significance of recognizing your guests and giving rewards what that program looked like you also talk about training your staff to make friends so i'm kind of curious to see what that looks like too and then i i think we we have to eventually get into the idea of how you create the tools so and what these tools will look like to empower your staff so we're going to cover that when we come back Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that uses POS integration and invoice data to show you your food costs in real time. The beauty of Margin Edge is that the information is immediately available. You take a picture and boom, you have access to it just in time and everything that Margin Edge does is aimed at making your restaurant more efficient. So what exactly do you get with Margin Edge? With Margin Edge, you get automatic invoice processing. You can do this by either taking photos with their app, scanning slash emailing files, or integrating it with a electronic data interchange. You can get daily controllable P&L, including labor data. You can get recipe costing and menu analysis tools, not to mention you also get inventory management and actual versus theoretical usage reports. Margin Edge gives you the prime cost daily, so there are no surprises at the end of the month. By totally digitizing your back office, your team saves hours on paperwork and gets real-time data to manage food costs, labor, and budgets in the moment, not weeks after the period ends. With supply chain disruption and labor shortages, making real-time data-driven decisions is more important than ever. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, Margin Edge will cover your onboarding. That means you get 60 days free to get started and up and running before you make your first payment. To learn more, head to me.marginedge.com com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. We're back. So I'm curious, uh, the significance of recognition and rewards. So you said that you, you'd see your people doing things, the right thing. And then you would just reinforce that you would recognize that, but get into the details of why this is significant and how to execute that. Well, Well, it was a simple program. I think I mentioned it was called Difference Dollars, and I invented this program, although there's lots of different ways of recognizing your team. Difference Dollars was either I caught somebody doing something amazing or a fellow team member brought it to my attention or a guest told a manager. It could happen a million different ways, and it really didn't matter who nominated somebody. But I mentioned I had 55 employees in my largest restaurant. We did this in all my restaurants, but let's just use the bigger one as an example. And I mentioned not everybody worked every shift, of course, but the majority of people worked either Friday or Saturday night. So clearly, I would I would you know, offer this reward twice a week 
one person would win on a Friday and another person would win on a Saturday. And it was really easy after a while when this sort of approach to the business raised the morale of the team and really became this sort of camaraderie, this chemistry, this this incredible, well, the dream team, I called it, you know, because people were there for the right reasons and they really cared and they wanted, they they ultimately knew that the guest experience would benefit from the the tightness of the group, you know, how how much fun they had. These people would hang out outside of work, you know. So that was the foundational element. But let's just say it's time to recognize someone, whether I I recognize them or someone else brought it to my attention. So the whole team would gather before dinner service at like, you know, 4:30 when we open at five for dinner. And I'm in the kitchen now and I'm surrounded by 20 or 30 people. And it would be as simple as telling the people assembled what the difference was. Before I even mentioned who did it, I said, now this was really incredible. This is what happened. And maybe it was a, you know, um, a brand new busser or a brand new dishwasher. It didn't matter. And and somebody's walking through the kitchen and they slip and, and, you know, the whole bus bucket goes up in the air and like 20 dishes smash on the floor. And a server happens to see this and literally has a second and jumps in and helps to clean up the mess. It's not her job in most restaurants, but in our restaurant, every table is your table. Every situation is your situation. And we train that. So that might've been a difference or, you know, maybe a guest locked their keys in the car and we called AAA for them. And the AAA came and opened the door for them when they didn't have that service. Otherwise, they would have been stranded a while. Anything like that could have been a difference, right? So here we are, and I'm telling what the difference is. And then I nominate Sally, and Sally comes up. And everyone would clap. And then when the clapping was done, I would hand Sally a $20 bill and a can of Red Bull. And I would thank her very much for the difference. And But it didn't stop there. Now the, now, the more important thing was I went into my office and I literally typed up in glowing detail what that difference was. And in the middle was Sally Taylor, you know, did this. And then I would frame those things. You know, we'd get a bunch of inexpensive frames and I always had 10 or 12 of them sitting in my office, you know, and I would frame it. And over time, we'd cover every inch of the back kitchen and the employee break area and the hallway and the employee bathroom. And when I sold that restaurant in 2014, they were literally on the ceiling because there was no more space left. But (laughs) the beauty was whenever we hired a new employee, you couldn't help but notice when they had a free moment, they'd be like reading these differences. And it just spoke volumes about how we operated our, you know, our restaurant and, and that we ran it as a business and we cared about the guest experience. And we were all about teamwork and we were all about providing these amazing experiences. And these are just 500 examples of what has happened here over the years. Yeah. And what I love about this is creating ritual. And and we talk about this a lot is every culture has language and that has rituals. I'm talking, I'm not talking about generally necessarily restaurant cultures. I'm talking about all cultures everywhere across the world. Culture is omnipresent. It's everywhere. And you see in every culture, rituals, language, you got to create that ritual. You got to create the, the, those words you use in your organization. Um, and you got to do this. The other thing about rituals is they happen regularly, right? It's a it's an everyday kind of thing. It's a once a week type of thing. It's a once a year type of thing. Those are rituals. But what I'm hearing from you is you, you created a, a, a Friday and a Saturday ritual, ritual where you're going to have your over those two days, likely everyone who works for you is going to come through those doors. So everyone's experiencing this, right? right. And then, but what's the power of recognition on a psychological level? What's happening internally? Why is it so, what makes this so powerful, recognition? 
People want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And although everybody works for a paycheck, and yes, in these days, you have to pay people well, and they have to work in a busy restaurant where the tips will obviously support them and their lifestyles, it's like people need much more than just a paycheck. People need a sense of belonging, a sense of teamwork, a sense of friendship, a sense of meeting new people. Well, and, you know, food is the universal language and people of all races and cultures get together because food brings them together. And, you know, we had diversity in our restaurant. We had employees in a lot of foreign countries that would come to work for us. And it was such a beautiful thing to see everybody come together on a common level because we're sharing our passion for what we serve the guest and our passion for the hospitality we provided the guest in addition to the food and the drink, you know, and, and it was amazing. And this recognition was just one piece. And then we also had prizes, you know, we routinely awarded prizes to people just randomly. And, you know, there's a story behind that, too. I can certainly share it if you think it's relevant where the prizes came from and how we recognize that. But all of these programs just up leveled the spirit. And what's really important is after a while, we didn't have to fire anyone because they either fit or they automatically felt like they didn't fit. If they didn't have a competitive spirit, if they weren't into the training that we did all the time, if they weren't out on the floor making friends, if they weren't making recommendations and really selling everything that we had, then they obviously knew that they didn't fit because we tracked this stuff every single day. We had sales contests every single day. It's like every week we'd come up with something new and it was all about sharing the love and and sharing the hospitality and making these recommendations that we knew our customers would enjoy and appreciate. And recognition and rewards just sort of drove all that home and just made it fun to be there. And we had another mantra, if it's not fun, why do it? And that was posted all over the place. We had, in addition to the back of house, you know, where all those signs were, the, the difference dollar signs in, you know, in the service areas uh, by all the point of service terminals, POS terminals, there were other messages that really motivated people and gave them hints and cues about what the strategy was and how to be theatrical and how to use your unique personality to bring everything alive. Yeah. We, it's almost as though we were trying to train people to, to be actors and actresses, because I would always say it's like, you know, when the doors open for business, the curtain goes up, it's showtime. And you guys aren't hosts and busters and servers and bartenders, you're actors and actresses on stage. And you're here to deliver what I called wow factor. And it started with wow factor on a plate. We wanted every plate presentation so that the camera phones came out and people didn't want to dig into it before they took a picture or they said, wow, to the rest of the yeah. table. But then we're like, it's not just about the food. It's about everything we do. It's about the ambiance. It's about the people and their personalities. It's about how we want our guests to feel when they walk out the door saying that was more than just food and drink. That was an event. And yeah. we can't wait to tell people about it. And we can't wait to go back. That's really what the success came from. You talked earlier about training your staff to make friends and the power of upselling and seeing these opportunities to sell, training your, your, training your guests to see these opportunities. So what does training your staff to make friends look like? It starts with the right kind of person. And we had a, obviously a rigorous interview process 
But then after a while, we really rarely hired people because people stayed for years and years and years. And even though it was a seasonal business, as I mentioned, when I sold that restaurant, I literally had people that worked for me for 15 years, 18 years, 20 years. And it really was a family at that point. It took time to get there. But in the very beginning, it was the daily pre-shift where we sat down and we talked about what was important and what that strategy was and how to break the ice at the table and how to recognize and, and ask what questions. What was important? You said that we would talk about what's important. What was the message to your staff? This, this is important. Fill in the blank. What's important is getting to know people on their level, anticipating their needs, and then over-delivering on those needs through help of your team members and not trying to do it all yourself. Because when you try to do it all yourself, that's when you get into the weeds and everything falls into chaos. And then you're no longer entertaining, educating, and informing your guests. You're just surviving. And then you look like any other restaurant out there that doesn't have that strategy or system in so place. So how do you think teamwork, communication, and knowing what the core values were, the, you know, the mission statement. We built a culture, what we called hospitality, family, and fun, where it was all about hospitality, right? And the staff felt like family and the guests felt like family and both staff and family were having fun. It was that simple. Are you delivering hospitality, family and fun today? And don't ever forget it. So So, you would go out and and approach a new table and you would treat everyone at that table as if you'd seen them a hundred times before. You'd introduce yourself. You might even ask them what their names are and say, I'm going to be taking very good care of you today. And sit back because you're going to have a good time. And I'm going to tell you everything about what's special and what I think you'll enjoy. And here I am, I'm at your service, you know, just something that simple. And everyone did it a different way. You know, everyone used their unique personality. And I had people that would entertain kids. I had servers that literally juggled at the table, you know, and they really took the kids under their wing and showed them a great time and, and, you know, told jokes, whatever it was, just give people a good time, you know, make them forget their everyday routine. Like what happened today doesn't matter. When you walk into this restaurant, you're going to forget all your cares. We're here to take care of you, serve you and give you some really great meal and and beverages, but hang on, we're going to tell you everything that's great about this place. And, and I really hoped that uh, you're going to come back next time and ask for me personally. And it always ended with that. And what do you think happened? People asked for those people personally is, you know, is Joni in tonight? Is Sally, is Michelle here? You know, and those people built a following over time. And is it any wonder they made a ton of cash? How do you you find that balance between genuine, authentic connection and showmanship? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Again, it goes back to that interview process. You know, I would ask somewhat unusual questions in interviews like, you know, tell me about something that you're most proud of and why you're proud of it. Um, What would your seventh grade English teacher say about you? You know, just really weird questions. And they were designed so that they weren't questions that people could tell me what they think I wanted to hear. And my goal was to get to the heart of their personality and their pride and their passion and their interests and what they cared about, you know, versus, oh, you know, Sally's got 20 years of experience as a server. I don't care. It's like we we could train for experience. We could not train for personality. You either have it or you don't. We had this magic word. It's just two letters, it. You either have it or you don't have it. And I could tell instantly in an interview, do you have it? Yeah. And Danny Meyer would call this a 51 percenter, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's so it is that unique combination of personality, attention 
attentiveness, um, caring, and salesmanship. You put those things together and look out. Those people on, you know, at the table are going to have a really great time. So, so if we start with the foundation of finding people that have it and you bring them in and they shadow your veterans and they assimilate best practices and then you have daily pre-shifts and you regularly train these people and then you recognize and you reward them and then the people that don't fit fall by the wayside. Obviously, I hate cliches, but there's the cream on top, right? It's, yeah, that's that's how it works. I want to talk about gamification, but I also want to talk about uh, before we yeah. get into the gamification, why that's so significant and how that has an impact on sales. Uh, you mentioned earlier. Um, so I'll, I'll give some context before we get into that. I was talking sure. to Jack uh, Piper recently. His episode just went live this week uh, out in Iowa City, and he, he was a front-of-house guy. He worked in amazing restaurants all over the world. Uh, he was in Dallas. He was working for uh, a corporate steakhouse. I can't remember the name. Maybe it was like a – I can't remember the name. Uh, but they would give them um, these sales lines, and uh, they would – he he just talked about how the the service of that restaurant group was so driven towards the the stats and the data and not necessarily what was best for the guest. How do you find that 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 balance between really trying to be salespeople, like you say, and just push numbers versus doing what's best for the guest? Because there can be it can get kind of confusing sometimes. Am I more focused on getting the numbers, or more am I more focused on giving the guest what the guest wants? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we obviously left it up to the guests to make their decisions, but we definitely believe that if we didn't give choices and bring those things to life and tell people about what was really special about the restaurant, we were doing them a disservice. We, yeah. we absolutely, I, I believe that to this day. And people, my guests, were really receptive to that. They wanted to be told about what's new, what's special. And we had off-the-menu specials all the time, and these things were more profitable. They had a lot of pizzazz and flair to them, and we did that for two reasons. One, we either wanted our chef or kitchen manager to stay creative and not just create the same menu day after day, but we also wanted to give our floor staff new things to talk about all the time. So yes, our regular menu was tried and true. And I really want to get into menu profitability in a little while because that is a critical piece. But let's just say I've got a menu. It's very profitable, but I always had two things. I had cash cows, which made me a ton of money. We can talk about that. And then we also had off the menu specials that rounded out the regular menu, gave the chef or manager something really creative to you know stay on top of their game and give the staff something new to talk about. All those things were important. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm saying uh, in the world of lifetime guests and doing what bring, making sure you can do whatever you do to bring that guest back versus in this moment, upsell there's a, a a contest going on or we're trying to move a product like how do you find that balance of not putting the in the moment game because we're talking about gamification contest ahead of doing what the guest wants and needs and what will bring that guest back long term it goes back to attentiveness and recognizing no, not recognize, anticipating the need, you know, and yeah. the basics of core hospitality and taking care of guests needs so that they don't have to stop and ask you that they need something, that every table is your table, the choreographed service, the backup, the teamwork, you know, uh, I'm a busser and my section is over here, yet I've got a quick second and I see a fork fall off the table at 
Jim's section over there, but he Jim's running a bus bucket to the dishwasher. It's like I instantly go over there and I take care of the guest situation. No matter where I'm working or who I am, I got eyes. I can hear. I can see. And I got 20 or 30 people on the floor all there to back each other up to give over deliver an amazing experience. So the guests are already having fun. And then theatrical performance just is the icing on the cake where now you're telling them about things that you really know they're going to enjoy. Oh my gosh, we got this new, we have these two new amazing desserts and I called it rhapsodizing over the menu because one, if you've got the product knowledge and if you know what that product is all about, then you can bring it to life. I love using radio as an example Everyone here probably has a favorite radio station, whether you're driving in your car and you're listening to your favorite classic rock station or soft jazz or whatever it is, most likely, you know, it's a rock station because they do these things all the time. You know, the wonders of technology, they can press all these buttons in the studio and they can create this image in your mind that you're listening to that you think is really happening, but it's not sound effects and all that kind of stuff. Well, a restaurant, you can do the same thing. You can bring things to life before the guest even sees it or knows what it is by the description. And if you know your menu so well that you can describe it so that a guest can see it, smell it, and taste it before it even comes out of the kitchen, you've made the sale. And that's what we trained everybody to do. And rhapsodizing over the menu is like really bringing that to life so you can visualize it. Theater of the mind. It's like the guests can picture that that molten lava chocolate cake and how it's just, you know, you open up the center and it's just oozing all over the chocolate cake and it's steaming hot. And then you got a dollop of vanilla ice cream next to it and the whole flavor sensation and the, oh my gosh, you know, if you can do that at the table before the guest even sees it, bring me that yeah and really again to echo what you're saying it's just listening to the guest giving the guest what the guest wants and anticipating needs and being ahead of it if, if a guest if you know the menu super well you know all aspects of that restaurant super well the the guest will start to go down a path uh, an experiential yep. path and it, when you see them picking that direction you can start being ahead of them because you know they ordered a steak well if you're going down that path of the steak here are other things that will meet like that you'll that will Absolutely. like like the wine pairing like the like the like all the things that will complement that meal that yes. are extras that are additional services that you can put in front of the guests sake if you want to take this steak experience to the next level here are your le- your options to level up and right. i suggest you do because i want this to be the best experience for you but those are all services and those are all those are all pay gates right to get something right. extra so yes, we, well, I believe that every restaurant worth its salt should have lots of opportunities like that, that the guest can either hear about the opportunity and pass on or plant a seed and you're going to enhance that meal, whether it's a Caesar salad and you ask them if they would prefer scallops or shrimp or chicken that will enhance the Caesar salad. You just gave a steak example. Okay. Sauteed mushrooms and onions that just smother over the top of that, you know, that amazing tenderloin or a specialty rub that gives it a special flavor. I mean, Every step of the menu should have these enhancements. Yeah. I've always believed that. You know, every salad we served had an option of feta cheese, blue cheese, or goat cheese added to it. And every server would make that recommendation. And 90% of the people would pick one of those cheeses. And it was an upsell, but it enhanced all the salads on our menu. So, yeah. yes, 
those are all part of that iceberg I talked about. And it's just, it just flows naturally. It's not a hard sell. It's a suggestion. Yeah. And you, and you frame it in a way by saying this, you know, these are enhancements that'll really make you enjoy that steak you just ordered. Do any of them sound great to you? But it all starts with knowing the menu, knowing how to enhance experiences through product knowledge and, and just like, not just the, the, the taste, but also like you were talking about earlier, our values, our mission, what separates us from other people that all goes into the experience. So you're not just, it's not just product knowledge. It's also culture knowledge, who we are, what we stand for, what our expectations are, what we like literally painting that picture of what it means to be your restaurant. And that all goes into training. And when we come back, we're going to really unpackage what a good training program should look like and how you can implement that into your business. You know Restaurant Unstoppable's mission because I'm constantly echoing it. It's to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I could not be more excited to be partnering with Diageo Bar Academy because they have the same goals. And I am just filled with hope right now because never before has there been such an abundance of information and resources. And it's because things like Diageo Bar Academy exist. Diageo Bar Academy equips bartenders, servers, managers, and hospitality professionals with the insights, stories, and tools to be better. They're constantly raising the bar on industry standards. No matter your background or your skill level, there is knowledge and new techniques for you waiting over at Diageo Bar Academy that will improve your personal and professional lives. For example, they just launched a new masterclass, Tips for Profitable Menus. With expert tips and step-by-step guidance, their experts give you all the advice you need to craft exciting and profitable menus. With this masterclass, you'll learn how to create eye-catching menu design, how to promote your most profitable drinks, how to understand poor costs and pricing accordingly, and you'll discover how to create well-designed menus that will attract new customers, exceed your regulars' expectations, and maximize upselling and revenue. And it goes far beyond masterclasses like this. You can also join live events and watch all past masterclasses on demand at www.diageobaracademy.com. Whether you're a bartender, owner, operator, or if you're just completely new to the industry, diageobaracademy.com has easy to access resources to help you learn new skills and stay in the loop with all the latest industry trends. Diageo Bar Academy is a free online resource for hospitality professionals of all skill levels. Stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or your business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. Why wait? Visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. 
Now, I've told you what's new with Play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also, with Play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We are back, and we've been talking a lot about um, what a good restaurant service looks like, what a good restaurant hospitality looks like. We talked about gamification, uh, recognition, uh, education, really communicating to your, your employees what it means to work for you, and just giving them the tools and resources to be able to do that. So paint that picture of what these tools and resources should look like. What are we giving our staff so they can do the best job and serve the best to their ability. So it brings me back to grade school when you'd be really nervous about the teacher pulling a pop quiz. So we would have these pop quizzes all the time that I would come up with based on the restaurant knowledge, based on the menu knowledge. And literally before service began, I would just pop quiz people, anyone, the whole team, just one individual person. And it just trained people that they had to be on top of their game or else they were going to be, you know, up, you just lost a shift this weekend up, you know, whatever it was until it didn't happen anymore. Everyone was constantly on top of their game. So pop quizzes were the foundation of making sure they had that restaurant knowledge and product knowledge. Right. And then we had team building exercises. We'd go outside the restaurant and we would do things as a group, you know, and that was always fun. And then there were the daily pre-shifts I talked about, but then there were healthy competitions. This is really simple. Everyone has played bingo at one time or another, right? Everyone knows what that game is all about. So we created our own bingo cards that would change weekly based on things that were either highly profitable to sell, cash cows, um, high perishability items. Like maybe we brought in a bunch of seafood and we definitely had to move it by a certain time or else it would obviously spoil that sort of thing. So, we would take our hooks and we would take anything perishable and we would take high profit items and we would literally put those things in all the bingo squares. Okay. And then I would give everyone one of those bingo cards and I would turn them loose and we would have a competition for a really nice prize either that day or that week or whatever, depending on how elaborate the bingo card was. And whoever was the first one to score sideways up, down, horizontally, whatever, and literally you know, collect those sales and then they could prove to us with their guest checks. Yep. I sold A, B, C, D, and E down the row horizontally. Then they would win the prize. We did this all the time and they loved it. It was like one of the most fun things we ever did. 
and we just called it sales stars bingo and yeah. it's that simple you know just yeah i didn't invent that it, yeah you know it just it was a takeoff of bingo so but i, I saw but, use for it in the restaurant and it paid huge dividends you're giving also. them tools too like the actual right. tools where like how do i know what's what the ingredients are in the menu how do i know what the what our core values are how do i know what the vision is how do i know what the mission is where do i when do like where does that all live well it starts with an employee manual whenever you hire somebody new i used to quiz people on important aspects of the of the employee manual it really began there and i would tell them you know in a couple of days i'm just going to randomly pull you aside i'm going to ask you a question and i hope you know it because that's how we operate it really started there and then Oh, this is really powerful. So I talked about the daily pre-shifts, which happened every single day, five, 10 minutes, you know, just really powerful quick hits. But then twice a month, I would do something a little bit more formal. I called it how to turn $100 into $1,000. Well, what does that mean? I'd go to the petty cash drawer or, or the bar register and I'd pull out 100 bucks out of the drawer. And it was a $20 bill and maybe two tens and a couple of fives and the rest $1 bills, 100 bucks, right? And I'd shuffle it. So that, you know, I didn't know what was what. And we'd all go into our training room, you know, and first I would I would assemble all the what I call props. We talked about show business and entertainment. So every restaurant has a prop. What's a prop? It's something that brings the show to life for the audience. So that could be a table tent, a T-shirt, a bottle of wine tonight's special dessert, whatever it is, I'd assemble 15 things on the table. And then we would do a series of role-playing exercises where that stack of money was next to all of those props, right? And I would randomly call on people and I'd say, okay, Joe, you're the host and you're going to serve Sally, who's the pretend guest. And I want you to bring some of these things to life for her. And we would role-play this stuff all the time. And if that person hit on all cylinders and did an authentic job of delivering the message and making it compelling so that the guest, if they didn't know about it, it sounded great to them, then you could take a bill off the stack. Maybe you got a $20 bill. Maybe you got a 10, maybe you got a five. And that was just the fun reinforcement for the exercise, but it reinforced all the sales stars concepts. And then you'd watch sales explode for the next couple of days because people were firing at all cylinders and making these suggestions and bringing a bottle of wine to the table saying, oh, you just ordered the chefs off the menu special can I recommend this bottle of wine because it's the perfect pairing for the Alaskan King crab legs or whatever it was, you know, and they were allowed to do that. They were allowed to use their props at the table to bring the food and drink to life, to give it wow factor and to create that theater of the mind thing I talked about. I mean, these are simple techniques, but it was a performance. It was like it was a play or a movie or a television show. And that's and the audience just sort of sat back and, couldn't wait to see what's going to happen next. You know, my, my server, Sally has tremendous personality and that's called controlling the table because how many times when you go out to dinner and you're and you're in heavy conversation, it's a balance between breaking the ice and interrupting people in their special moment. But if you have that personality and if you can capture that attention and they're really interested in who you are and what you have to say, then as soon as you're anywhere near that table, I used to watch my guests just, <laughs> waiting for, okay, what's this person going to do next? Cause this is a show and I'm just having fun, you know, yeah. and that is a balance, but that was all part of the training. You yeah. Know? So really a, a common theme through today's conversation. So really a common theme through today's conversation has been just giving your team the tools and resources, whether that's materials, 
whether whether that's programs, uh, whether that's just a sense of what the the job done right looks like, the mentality. Uh, you're giving them all these things through training, through ritual, through language. In the modern age, if say ten years ago this all lived in the operations manual, where is the stuff living today? How are we delivering this? Yeah, I mean, operations manuals are still important because it's a legality in most states, okay? But it's like, it's it's rare that a restaurant will, uh, I hate to use the word force, um, incentivize them to understand it because the culture of a restaurant is in there. The mission of a restaurant is in there. What we stand for, in addition to policies and procedures that keep people safe and how we do things, right? But it's like, that's a basis for, daily pre-shifts. You can find so much relevant information in your manual if you've created it properly to bring up in pre-shifts, whether that be front of house or back of house. And we did that all the time too. So, you know, all these things are like layers of an onion that are multiple layers and you peel one back and the next week you peel another one back and you keep it relevant, you keep it fresh, you keep it interesting, but it always comes back to those core values that are on the inside of that onion, you know, because every restaurant has its own core values, but leadership leading by example, oh, this is a critical piece. It doesn't matter what industry we're talking about, restaurants, lumberyards, retail, sales, uh, anything you can think of that has staff or employees, right? It's like, any manager can delegate. We've all heard that word delegate. And for a while, that was a magic buzzword. Yeah, if I'm a good manager, I'm going to delegate because I'd be stupid to try to do everything myself. That's the, that's the thinking. Well, I'm big on paradigm shifts. So there's a huge difference between delegation and empowerment. Any manager can delegate only leaders empower. What's the difference? Anybody can tell somebody what to do and how to do it. You go do that, right? That's, that's a manager. A leader is someone who recognizes talent in someone and develops it one by one. Every member of the team, you know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and you build them up, you develop, you nurture them, you recognize, you reward them, you give them more responsibility, and you give them a chance to fail and make mistakes. And then you correct that behavior, and then you uplift them again, and then you give them more responsibility, and then they rise to the challenge, and then you recognize and reward that. That's how you build man managers in a restaurant that become leaders, not just managers. I mean, we, we throw that word management around all the time. And I like to call it dining room leader, general leader, bar leader, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff, because a leader and a manager are two different things. But the, but, uh, but the core essential, you know, technique is how do you manage your people and develop them so that they become future leaders on their own? And I was big on that too. Yeah. So if I'm handing something to my staff right now to give them everything they need to do their job well, what does that look like today? Well, I've always believed in shadowing. We never turned anybody loose all by themselves until they proved that they'd earned the, the place to be there. So, yes, I would pay them to come in and shadow veterans so that they assimilated those best practices. They watched how someone else did it. We would encourage them, of course, to use their unique personality and not necessarily do it exactly the same way, but make sure you're delivering that hospitality and that you're living to our mission and what we care about. And you want to make sure that your guests have fun. And while you're shadowing someone, you can also recognize a guest at a table that has a problem. And if you think you can fix it, fix it. Okay. And be just be a personality at the table. 
you know, guests love to be recognized. And in a lot of restaurants, they, they really feel special if the manager comes up and recognizes them. But if multiple people, regardless of their position in the restaurant, acknowledge and recognize and serve those people, and then everyone thank that guest, any guest that crosses your path, my team were trained to say, thank you for coming. We hope to see you again, you know, and you might get thanked five times on your way out of the restaurant. I feel like I'm the king of England, for God's sake, when I leave that restaurant. Yeah. That's what we wanted people to feel like, you yeah. know. So these are all very simple, basic things. Yeah. But we talk about them constantly this, in pre-shift. I, mean, I, I got to bring. After a while, it became routine conditioned behavior. I got to bring our boy Hertz Schultze up from the Ritz Carlton and basically what all these things Roger is talking about are just standards of service. And as you start developing these standards of service, you write them down, you make a list. Uh, The Ritz Carlton had 26 standards of service. And then every day they would go over one of those standards. And when somebody did that, and this, these are all the things that Roger's saying that he did. He would recognize people for doing what was expected. You don't correct them, not doing it right. You correct them when they do it right. And that encourages people to be seen, to do things the right way. Um, And I mean, this, this is, this is huge stuff, but you have to communicate it. So if today, Roger, I am trying to develop a way to put all this information, these standards of service, these core values, this product knowledge, everything into one spot. So my guests have access and I guess my, my employees have access to what the expectation is. How do we deliver that? What's the best way to deliver that today? I'm a huge believer in turnkey systems. And my latest project that I've spent years trying to develop, and I'm now partnering with a really talented person on this, is an all-in-one digital restaurant training app. What really makes this relevant and important and dynamic is imagine your restaurant is literally the foundation of this app because we have a team that customizes the app to each individual restaurant. And it all begins with that product and restaurant knowledge where we take your menu, everything from appetizers, starters, some people call them entrees, desserts, photographs of the food are literally loaded on this app. And then when you click on that photograph and everything is easily searchable, but it's a training tool that then has the ingredients, the romance notes, any allergens, any particular or something special about it. And there's quizzing tools in there where you can literally swipe one after another and and get to know the menu. And when you've got it down, then you can either say, got it by swiping to the right or swiping to the left. No, I'm going to come back to that again later. And then that's all trackable by your team leader where on this app, they can see, okay, who's mastered that menu. You know, we have quizzing functions in there that deliver all this information. So that's the basics. On the bar side, it's preloaded with like 450 of the most commonly created cocktails with photographs and presentation and what glass does it go in and the ingredients that go into it and how to make it. So it's almost a bartender training tool. And then it's also applicable to the back of house. Say you hired a new line cook and you've got the line cook needs to learn the menu. At the push of a button on his phone, he can suddenly see the presentation, what it looks like, the ingredients that go into it, the cook times, the preparation steps, you name it, it's all there on the phone as a training tool until they get to know that. Table layouts are in there. A vector graphic is loaded of a dining room, your outdoor patio, your bar, all with seat numbers so that you know your entire staff get to know all of that. 
And again, it's all customized yeah. to your restaurant. Most importantly, though, it's your logo, it's your colors, it's your photography, it's your brand. The app literally looks like it's your restaurant. Okay? Yeah, we were talking so about that earlier. It's not just giving the knowledge. It's also saying this is who we are. This is what we stand for. So I'm assuming that you have other things. You can upload things like your core values, like your standards, Absolutely. all the, yeah. those things too. So yeah. a lot of today's discussion has been about just giving your team the resources they need. It all starts with defining what does hospitality mean to us? What mm-hmm. does good service mean to us? What are the standards that we live up to every day? Your team does not just... Ass- you can't just assume they get it at the same level. You get it. You have to get them there. And these tools and resources are what do it. And it's, it's never been easier than before to give people access to resources and wisdom and knowledge. We, we can transfer, we can transfer information easier than ever before. And there's apps like this. And what you're talking about is SRV or do you prefer to call it serve? Well, yeah, I mean, we call it SERVE, but SERVE is an acronym for Study Restaurant Variety. So the app is called SERVE, and, you know, people can learn more about it at the URL servesrvnow.com, so S-R-B-N-O-W.com. But, you know, the tip of the iceberg is, is just learning the product and the restaurant knowledge, but then the sales stars training system is loaded into the app. So once they know their menus, now here are the theatrical techniques, the sales techniques, all of that. And then there's also the up-leveling of training leaders, okay? So we have financial information, how to set up an inventory system in your restaurant, how to track food, beverage, and labor costs, how to track daily break-even, how to become a financial expert so that you can run the restaurant on behalf of your owner, okay? It's got a marketing section. We talked earlier about all the marketing that's proven to deliver ROI or return on investment versus throwing money out the window, not knowing if it's trackable. We have all these proven marketing ideas in there. And then it's the whole goal behind this is there's so much restaurant tech out there right now. And a lot of it is designed to replace staff. And we believe that technology should only enhance hospitality. It should be a tool that uplevels the organization. But more importantly, it teaches staff that this is a career opportunity. You can go You can start in the dish pit, and I could tell you examples of people that worked for me starting off there that went on to open their own restaurants. Hospitality is a career where you need no formal education. You just need the desire to learn and and feeling the pride and the passion of the business. And there's it's limitless where you can go and serve as an all-in-one training tool for any member of your staff, front or back of house, and then future leaders to develop their skills, knowing everything so that I'm giving the owner an exit strategy here in the palm of every staff person's hand. That's the power of serve. And, you know, there's guest features too. I mean, we can customize this thing where there's a QR code on there that talks about your special events. Tuesday night is a special wine pairing night. Um, You know, there's a loyalty and rewards program, online ordering. All these things are obviously available and they're part of the app that it depends. Every yeah. restaurant is different. They so might the need point this, being, there, there's, there's technology out there today. Uh, we need to le- we need to leverage it to increase the guest experience. And um, right. and I mean that's just the new age we live in. Leverage these technologies because uh, that your competitors are you know and yeah you gotta you gotta get this information to your staff. Um, and it's never been easier. So if we are, one thing I'd like to talk about that we missed, and I don't want to run out of time or anything, but right now. Rising costs, shrinking margins in an already low margin business. 
I coach and consult restaurants. I've done so for years. And it's amazing how many restaurants that I've worked with that you ask them the first question, okay, what's your most popular items? Oh, this flies out of the kitchen. My customers would kill me if I pull that off the menu, that sort of thing. And then I ask, okay, what are your most profitable items? And suddenly, oh my God, the gears grind to a halt and they can't answer that question. And what I find is There is a profit difference. I call it the spread in every menu category, whether we're talking about appetizers or entrees or desserts, every item within each of those categories has a difference. This contributes this profit, that contributes that profit. And now with rising costs, if if menus haven't been costed out recently, you don't know if you're making a profit on that item. You can be losing money every time you sell that. And I see restaurants that are filling their seats now because business is booming, right? And They're wondering, why is my bank account not growing? The number one biggest needle mover is I find so many restaurant menus are not designed to maximize profit and the spread is dollars. So every time they sell this appetizer versus that one, they could be losing $3, $4, $5 potential profit compared to the most profitable appetizer they sell. And when we run, I developed a template for this and it's loaded into the Serve app also, we'll determine that over the course of time, whether it's six months or or a year, restaurants are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars in potential profit because they haven't designed a menu for maximum profit. They haven't costed out each dish on the menu to know what each contributes in terms of profit. And they haven't figured out how much money they're losing because this just isn't profitable anymore. They're not finding optional ingredients. They're not making changes to that menu to make it most profitable. And All this, that's is, this is something that I've been echoing a lot lately. I think people are afraid to make changes to their menu. Like it should be your menu is dynamic yes, in, in today's age with everything being digitized. It's easier than ever for you to change prices. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to print out and laminate menus anymore. Every time there's a change, you can literally go into the back end and make a change and it pushes digitally everywhere. So there's no reason for you to not be anytime there's a price change in your when you're ordering at this, if there's prices going up, you can weekly change your prices. And if your customers have an issue with that, just explain to them that the world we live in is dynamic. The costs, my costs are changing. Your costs are changing. That's how things work. And I don't know why we are afraid to charge the cost, the value of something, you know, like, like don't be afraid to charge your employee, your, your guests, what the the value of food is. If it's changing, it needs to reflect that on your end because you need to be profitable. So don't be ashamed to do that. So it's never been easier. One piece of the coin. Um, And that's very important what you just said, but portion controls and standardized procedures are also so important. And I can tell you stories about 20 plus years ago when different people were putting different amounts of ingredients on my pizzas and one person was doing it right. And another person would be caught putting five extra pieces of pepperoni on every pizza he sold. And that was thousands of slices of pepperoni over the course of a week because we sold hundreds of pizzas a day. Think about how that adds to your food cost and shrinks your profit. It. This is all really, really important yeah. stuff. So once we find out um, what the most profitable items are, as you're taking corrective action, now's the time to train your staff. These are the most profitable items. Recommend these because you can stand behind everything on your menu. You know, it's going to be great. You know, the guests are going to enjoy it. But we just found out that this is contributing four or five dollars more profit than this. Suggest it. 
Okay. Yeah. And that's a stopgap until you redesign the menu. And I want to leave everyone with this. Know that it is absolutely possible to design a menu where in each category, the difference in profit is pennies, not dollars. I don't care if it's 50, 65, 75 cents. Okay. But if you got a potential to lose $3, $4, $5 on an appetizer and seven, eight, 10, 12, $15 on an entree, you're going to go out of business real fast if you don't figure that out. And I've yeah. seen it happen. Day Roger, in day this has been a lot of fun, my friend. Thank you. It's been great to reconnect with you uh, again. We've Thank been you. we've been collaborating now for almost eight years, and it's exciting to see all the new things you've rolled out over over this time. And I'm just excited for you. If we're interested in SRV or the Serve app, uh, and we want to start leveraging this technology to streamline communication and training in our own business, where do we go? Okay, so restaurantrockstars.com is a resource. Obviously, there's my own podcast there, but lots of free resources for, you know, restaurant owners, operators, leaders, that sort of thing. And Sales Stars is sold individually there. The Academy is the management training tool, you know, lots of different products there. Um, this, the Serve app is not yet on that website. It's, uh, it's living on its own website now. So, the Serve app literally includes everything we've talked about today, and it's at srvnow.com. And uh, there's a video there that really walks you through it. It's kind of like a, an animation. We just finished the animation, and um, you know, in three minutes or less, you'll see exactly the power of this tool, what it does, how it works, and how it can benefit your operation. So yeah, that's servenow.com. Yeah, and this is episode 895. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 895. I'll have uh, links to uh, Restaurant Rockstar, star, Sales Stars, and uh, servenow.com over there as well. So just remember 895. We'll, we'll do all the linking. If you use my links, you're supporting the show, by the way. Uh, Roger is an affiliate. I've been uh, reselling Sales Stars and supporting what Roger's been doing uh, for years now. Uh, really believe in your knowledge and what you're putting out there. So uh, if you use my links, you're supporting the podcast and I just cannot say thank you enough. It really goes a long way. Um, any final thoughts, Roger, before we say goodbye? Yeah, now is the time. I mean, I mentioned earlier that I went through the pandemic like other operators have, but if you've still, you know, if you've survived this, if you've been through all the craziness of the pandemic and the labor shortage, you're still going through it and you've been beaten up really bad. I know hundreds, over 100,000 restaurants have failed, but if you're still standing, one, kudos to you. Two, it's a testament to who you are as a person. But it's really the time to just keep going, dig deep and rediscover the passion and the fire of why you started that restaurant in the first place or why you're in the business of hospitality. You know, there's a reason why you're there. And if, if you feel it in your heart and you take real pride in what you do, and if you just love turning your team on to these ideas and up leveling your operation one day at a time, keep going. Okay. Yes. The worst is almost over and better times are definitely ahead. And I love the word opportunity. Be an opportunist. Yes. Roger, I've loved today's conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm really excited for this next question before we say goodbye. I, I have all my guests call somebody out. I'm pretty sure I probably had you do it in the past. You've been, I don't, I can't remember how long it's been since you've been on the show, but who do you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? And I know you have your own podcast, Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. I know you know a lot of amazing people doing a lot of amazing things out there. Who's recently really just impressed you as a guest on the show? Two people. Um, they're both book authors and they're both hospitality consultants. Um, one is Matt Rolfe, R-O-L-F-E. He just wrote a book called You Can't Do It Alone, which is an amazing read. And then Greg Provence, 
uh, lives in Southern California. That name is P-R-O-V-A-N-C-E. And he just wrote an amazing book that I just finished reading. And it literally, I, I hung on every word because it literally mirrors exactly what I believe hospitality is all about. And the name of that book is called Butts in Seats. <laughs> and both books obviously are available on Amazon. But yeah, those, those are two leaders that I love talking to on the podcast. And I just totally agree with everything they have to say. And it's, it's all about pride and passion and up-leveling your organization. And um, it's definitely worthwhile checking those two guys out. Gentlemen, look out. I'm, I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And just, Roger, thank you again for taking the time to reconnect with me, uh, to share your knowledge about training and just hospitality and observing and all this great stuff. Uh, always a pleasure to reconnect with you. And go check out ServeNow, SRVNow.com, and support Restaurant Unstoppable. And uh, I think we can wrap it up there, man. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric, for the opportunity. Again, there's that word opportunity. And thanks to your audience for tuning in. And uh, again, I hope you just rock it, rock your restaurant. Thank you. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Roger Bodwin, for joining us, for diving deep into the subject of hospitality in service and how that all starts with just taking care of your team, giving them the resources they need and closing that knowledge gap, empowering them. Awesome stuff. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to continue to listen to this podcast, we need your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links, the tools and services recommended in today's episode. Roger has made me an affiliate. So if you go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 895, we'll have the affiliate links to uh, restaurant Rockstars Academy where he shares all this knowledge. And also if you're interested in the SRV serve now app, we'll have the link over there as well. If you want to leverage that app, Please support the show. Use my links. And also, come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. This was a live event in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. After the recording, we had a Q&A where my listeners were able to connect with Roger and ask their specific questions. If you want to be a part of the conversation, head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. Support the show. And then lastly, if you have not yet, we highly recommend that you subscribe to the Restaurant Unstoppable YouTube channel. Head over to youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable. Some events coming up next week. We have Kelly Valentine from Fems in Food. She actually uh, came to me through Dina Sampson, one of our recent guests. And I'm going to be doing a deep dive with Kelly in the world of pop-ups. When do you know you're ready to do a pop-up? What are pop-ups good for? How do you use pop-ups to grow your personal brand? We're going to have you looking at pop-ups in a totally different angle in a totally different way. So if you're interested in that conversation, be sure to join us live next week at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, June 8th. And we're also getting Jack Piper back on the show. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he was literally just on the show. His episode went live on Monday. And we're going to be talking about how he got his his barbecue sauces into Amazon, how he distributed that, how he co-packaged, and how he's scaling that. That will be sometime next week as well. Would love to have you be a part of the conversation. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.